Did they? Yeah, you, so you know, Joel. Did they? Didn't they? Yeah, just think. Yeah, we'll spend like forty minutes of the film of, of the trial just talking about yeah. Donald Sutherland's dick. Exactly. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. And I'm Dave. And our Halloween Horror Month continues. And just like the taking of Deborah Logan, we're going to... No, fuck it. (laughs) What were you going to say? Commit, Gav, come on. (laughs) Just like the taking of Deborah Logan, we're going to put the willies up you. I'm distancing distancing myself from that statement. Yeah, you you shouldn't have committed. (laughs) That's that's an old English expression, isn't it? Put the willies up your means to terrify you. Don't be. Don't be. The person who who came (laughs) up with that statement is in prison now. So (laughs) (laughs) now, anyway, all throughout October, each one of the films on trial gang will be putting a horror film of their choice on trial, which they found to be personally unsettling. Now, today's turn is Joel, who has picked The Taking of Deborah Logan. Joel, can you please give us a very brief explanation as why you chose this film? Well, I'm a bit of a wimp when it comes to horror, and this film isn't like conventionally scary. It's more, as you say, unsettling, and I just thought it was a little bit different compared to everything we've seen before, so I thought it might be interesting to discuss it. Thank you very much, Joel. So is the taking of Deborah Logan taking us to another level or is it just taking the piss? <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> I mean, just a well a well played uh, sound effect there, Gav. Fantastic. For once. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 200 episodes and finally I get the sound effects right. Now, essentially, we're going to try and find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was The Night of the Hunter. And Joel judged that trial and deemed that the film should be placed on the hit list. Now, he's since gone away and watched it. So, did he make the right call or not, Joel? Um, Yeah, I think I did. What blew my mind initially was the fact that this was from the 1950s. Like, I just thought, like, the quality overall was excellent, you know, considering that. I mean, my dad was born literally on the year this film was released, and it just blew my mind to be watching, you know, something that old. But I did agree with, I think it was your point about the kids. In kind of a strange turn of events, I found myself kind of rooting for the killer in the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, but overall, it, it's, it's, an, it's an impressive film, especially for the time. Thank you very much, Joel. And no, that one didn't work out as well. Um, and trying no gap. You'll get that what first one back. That was really good. You, you'll... Thanks, man. And in honor of the Night of the Hunter, Austin has just joined us dressed like the preacher from the Night of the Hunter. <laughs> it's just what I normally wear. Yeah. How many kids have you terrified today, Ozzy? <laughs> Three and a half. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so now on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Joel and me. Once again, guys, I've gone for classic horror villains here. So Joel is just like Billy the Puppet from Saw. Even when he's harmlessly out for a cycle, he still looks creepy as fuck. <laughs> And I'm just like Ghostface from Scream. I have a very long and pale face, and I'm too accent-prone and bumbling to be successful at my job. <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Alex and Ozzy. Alex is a little bit like the Annabelle doll. His purpose is to educate and entertain children, and he can't help looking weird, okay? So just leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> And Austin is just like Michael Myers. He wears boiler suits and his driving license should have been revoked years ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, just like real court advocates, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts. Now, this week, Dave will be playing the most important role as he will be playing the judge, and he has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. And Dave is just like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. He will kill any man who doesn't appreciate Genesis. <laughs> it's true as well. That's the scary bit. <laughs> now, before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, so the, uh, the pig has landed on the question mark, which means the judge has to decide... Who should read out the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film? So, Dave, how would you? Who would you like to select? I suppose. Well, Joel. I mean, you. It's your film. It's your call, man. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'd like to see you do the impression, please, man. Certainly will, but there isn't really anything that's. Oh, it's, it's just got to be a possessed. You, what if you do it you know, like? Demon what if you do it like you're screaming? I would do, but there's a child asleep about 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I like Dave's thought. Why don't you do it like somebody gradually becoming possessed? So start off normal and then, you know, you get more possessed as you go on. I try, I try and be like a typical possessed person. There you go. An elderly woman battling Alzheimer's disease agrees to let a film group. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of went a little bit kind of Irish. You sound a bit like uh, the leprechaun from that, uh, that. I was going to say that film, also called the leprechaun. The leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> You're overthinking it. Maybe I'll just be, I'll just be the leprechaun. leprechaun. <laughs> Document her condition, <laughs> but what they discover. <laughs> <It's something laughs> far more sinister going on. Oh. Amazing. I don't even know what that was in the end, but yeah, it was a possessed Irish pirate, wasn't it? <laughs> Point to the defense. We're off to a flying style. <laughs> so yeah, without further hesitation, Dave, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yeah, certainly can. So uh this is the taking of Deborah Logan, not Deborah Morgan. Dexter's sister, as Cav called it last week. Uh that said though, I've not seen this film. I know next to nothing about it, I believe. It's a possession film from what we were talking about there. That is about the extent of my knowledge. I don't know when this came out. I don't know who's in it. I don't know what it's about. What I will say is I've seen a few films about exorcisms and possession before, and they tend to blur together in the one big film for me. So I find it, it's, it's a genre that it's hard to kind of make your mark in these days. So what I'm looking to see from the defense, I want to see why this film is unique in the possession uh, genre. So, uh, yeah, I would like to kick off with the defense and and tell me a bit more about the film tell me what the story is about it is different as you kind of alluded to there like it, it's a kind of found footage film but it's a little bit different from your standard found footage film so at the start of the film it kind of briefly flashes on the screen saying it's like a collection of footage of the, that they filmed over a certain time frame but it's also kind of intertwined with other clips and things like that. So it's about Deborah Logan, who is in the early stages of Alzheimer's disease. Um, and it's a film crew that come to basically kind of document, basically kind of going through that disease and uh, how it affects the family and things like that. So pretty much from the get go, you get this kind of really weird feeling from Deborah. Like she is kind of portrayed really, really well, but we'll go into that kind of later on. But as the film goes on, like she starts to do, you know, like a, basically crazier things. Like, for example, they kind of set cameras up around the house to kind of capture her movements and things like that. One of the nights she kind of she's walking in the kitchen and then she just instantly jumps like on top of a cupboard and there's no like kind of break in the in the natural kind of time frame of the cameras. And then uh, again, time goes on and kind of creepier things start to happen. And it basically kind of comes out that uh, she is being possessed by a, a kind of, I think he was like a physician or something like that, who was trying to complete a ritual to become uh, immortal, basically. Um, and yeah, kind of that's the story in a nutshell. Um, so 
I mean, the reason why I chose this to begin with was the fact that it's just so different. As I say, like it's a document, it's meant to be a documentary about Alzheimer's and you can begin by watching this and you just kind of almost forget that it's a film, especially a horror film. It goes into real in depth about like Alzheimer's and things like that. And I think the film was kind of rightfully praised about how it kind of handles Alzheimer's overall as well. Uh, It actually explains the disease. Like there are things that I didn't even know that the film like tells you about like how you know the the disease can progress in humans and it shows really well the kind of effects on the family and things like that and in terms of like the overall kind of plot of the film it's just kind of took me off guard as you said like i expected this to be you know what once you kind of figure out that the main character is possessed you know i expected it to kind of grow scales like spout acid or this type of you know usual shit that happens in possession films and, it, and it's just not the case here she kind of very i would say slowly kind of kind of succumbs to to madness and you're never really quite sure if it's the disease or if it is the fact that she's becoming possessed so you know if you're after something different i, I definitely think that this is one that horror fans will kind of sink their teeth into okay thank you very much joel yeah so it, it does sound like a, a different sort of spin on the the typical uh, possession film that we've seen before, and also maybe a different spin on found footage that we've seen. I also learned that it took me three attempts to spell Alzheimer's correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I've crossed it out a couple of times. I uh, got it in the end. Uh, I want to hear from the prosecution, though. I'm sure they've got something to come back on on what Joel said there. Uh, Alex, I'm going to come to you first. Yeah, I, I'm just going to have to like completely disagree with a lot of what Joel said there, and just that I don't think this is very different. Um, I think you've got two elements, which is the found footage element, which is the Blair Witch, and you've got the possession bit, which is the Exorcist. And it's just a case of if you put two different ideas together, that does not make it original. It's basically just two very overdone concepts, the found footage concept. I mean, that spawned paranormal activity didn't it and you know a whole host of other ones and then you've got the exorcist which has been done in a lot of possession movies and this just doesn't find anything original the alzheimer's thing is initially interesting so i would agree a bit with joel there but like anything in these films it's like does she have alzheimer's or is she possessed very soon you think no she's possessed and the alzheimer's thing just goes completely out the window which is a shame because it's actually interesting i think if the film had because within 30 minutes, she's getting snakes out of the ground and is huge, moving huge distances. And also, it's called The Taking of Deborah Logan. So, you can, I mean, you kind of know that it's going to be a possession film. But the film doesn't let, doesn't give you a, oh, is she really possessed? Or is this the onset of this terribly debilitating disease? Which the film teases you with. So I found that actually quite disappointing. I, I thought that would have been an interesting way of doing it. But it, it reminded me a bit of, you know, like in Hereditary, where you're like, oh, you know, is there sort of, you know, is there, is this sort of like madness being pushed down through the family or is there something going on? And then you just figure out, oh, no, it's it's a supernatural. I often find that's a bit disappointing in these films, to be honest, and, and it's definitely true here. It's a bit of a waste of what is an initially interesting concept. So, yeah, I just massively disagree. I just don't think it is different. It's got two worn concepts, put them together, and not come up with anything particularly interesting. I do as well think the possessions, like you figure out that it's possession very early on. And that is one of the biggest drawbacks of the film because it just doesn't keep your interest then. You're just basically watching Deborah go crazy over a very long, (laughs) she's just watching her being taken over a very long period of time. And not being surprised because you know, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen. So, um, so yeah, I would I would very much disagree with everything Joel said there. Sorry, sorry, Joel. I want to be polite. <laughs> That's good Not of you. Accepted. That's good. That's good of you to be polite. Uh, but you. don't worry too much because I'm pretty sure someone is about to leap to Joel's defence <laughs> and shoot down everything you've just said. Sure. Uh, Gav. I believe uh, you, you're on with Joel, aren't you? You're the other defender. Yeah, yeah, and I will not be polite. I'll say Alex is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be honest, I will agree with Alex. I reckon by the mid 2010s, a lot of um, there's there there a lot of fan footage and a lot of possession movies as well. I think that this, the market became a little bit saturated. So, what they did here was combining both subgenres, and I think. Because it involved possession, it involved found footage, maybe that's why it went under the radar a little bit. But I think this is, you know, a really good film. I think 
I've seen a lot of found footage films. I've seen a lot of possession movies as well. They can often be copy and paste. So you really need to do something different to stand out. And I think the thing that, that they did different here was the Alzheimer's aspect. And I massively disagree with what Alex said, because I think it's an overall good concept to get you hooked in initially. Now, you know you're not going to watch a film all about Alzheimer's because it's a, it's a horror film. It's called The Taking of Deborah Logan, but that is the hook that gets you in there. Instead of starting out as an out-and-out out possession film, it starts with a team of medical students who are documenting a patient's battle with Alzheimer's. And as Deborah's mental and physical state deteriorates, more and more strange occurrences keep happening. And then, as Alex said, you slowly reveal that the patient is actually possessed. And that's good because that, that, that's a really interesting um, slant for me. It, it's different that it's actually a, a group of doctors or medical students doing this instead of just, oh, here we go, here's a, a, a documentary crew or here's you know a, a bunch of ghost hunters or something. It's an interesting take for me. And I think it's done incredibly well as well. At first, as Joel mentioned before, it's only slight occurrences like muttering to herself, sleepwalking, before these occurrences become more frequent and more violent. One thing I really like about this film as well is that the characters, they make sensible decisions, which is a common bugbear for me, especially when it comes to horror films. Characters making just idiotic choices that you wouldn't make in real life. But from the get-go, the film crew are like, fuck this, this is not medical review anymore. This is something else, we want more money. So then the chief, I don't know, uh, documenter, whatever you call them, the chief medical student gives them more money. And even then, one of the crew members just leaves and never comes back. Then, as the film goes on, doctors, priests, and police are consulted as, as the characters make more sensible choices throughout the film, as any of us would do. And at the halfway point of the film, it becomes apparent to the characters that this is not a medical issue. And that is when the interesting spin is introduced. The characters start delving deep into Deborah's past. And as Joel said before, they unveiled that she was involved in a local paediatrician who was suspected of murdering several children who suddenly vanished. And it's rumoured that that was part of a satanic ritual in an attempt to combat his own illness. So then this whole, this whole interesting spin, the documentary team are like, hang on, should we delve more into this? Half of the crew are like, no, let's leave it. We only signed up to do a review of this patient's deterioration with Alzheimer's. We're not here to uncover, you know, unsolved murders. And it's, it's a, an interesting point of conflict within the film as well. And I thought that it was really good and it kept the story fresh. It didn't just do what many of these films, these found footage films and these possession films do, which is just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat until the end credits roll. There was something new, there's something interesting interjected halfway through the film to, to give us a, a shot on the arm to make it more interesting throughout. Okay, thank you very much, Gav. And final person I need to come to, uh, also on the prosecution, Austin. What's your take on this? You know, it's, I was also um, not going to be polite. I was going to tell Gav and Joel that they were both talking out of their asses, and uh, <laughs> the only one who's being being kind today is Alex, and maybe you, Dave. <laughs> we all know that Austin hasn't watched the film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have watched the film. I have watched the film. I, I would love they, uh, to see. I messaged you about it last night. You did actually. Um, I'm lying. I, I would yeah. love to see an actual trial where the defense and prosecution just basically slay each other and the judge just sits there and laughs. We should just film these. So uh, for, one thing which Gav pointed on there is about the uh, the medical students thing. It fell a little bit off. So I, I agree with um, with most people there that it sounded like it had a good um, a good take on the fact that it's Alzheimer's. And I actually thought, oh, maybe... Um, we're watching something that's a little bit more profound than than it is, and it could have been pretty arty, you know. Maybe pushing the boundaries of uh, you know of the horror genre in total, and that we're looking at a medical vibe and somebody's treating Alzheimer's as as a you know as the horror and the illness that it is. And I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive. But um, but yeah, it just it just very quickly it deteriorated into essentially fast, you know that. The medical students, you know, top top level, final year, doing the last of the thesis, very quickly give up on all scientific uh, rationale about it. Like, oh fuck it, must be must be a possession. There's no other explanation for this. <laughs> but, there clearly isn't a medical explanation. They say that, <laughs> but they. It, it, like, I just, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I I don't know. Just for me, it just felt a little bit 
it, like it could have been really good. And the first, I'd say like the first two acts almost, you know, there was some, it was on its way to being interested and it just very quickly, you're like, what the fuck am I wasting my time watching by the end of it? it it's, it's like two completely different films, essentially. What could have been a really good take on an illness as being the horror. And then by the end of it, every other um, exorcist type movie. So yeah, for me, it's uh, it just missed its mark. Okay, thank you very much, Gav. A small point, very, very small. Very point. small. But both, very Alex, small. both Alex and Ozzy are talking about the fact that it would have been more interesting if it would have just maintained um, the the focus on Deborah's Alzheimer's. I think that was just been depressing as fuck. Nobody wants to go to see a film no. at the cinema and be reminded of this horrible illness. Well, I mean, still, Alex. And yeah, and yeah but, they did it anyway. for the first two hours. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it would have been interesting to have it as a bit more of a, is it Alzheimer's or is it a possession? I think it, if it's they called that the going, taking of Deborah Logan. It's not like when you the, find out she's then, possessed, you're like, well, then, fuck me. Then don't taken bring by in, Alzheimer's. Yeah, then don't bring in the Alzheimer's element to it. Just call it, I don't know, call it something else. I just think a little bit more of a, is it or isn't it, would have would have kept me going a bit longer. Maybe call it the Alzheimer's of Deborah Logan and see how many people would actually go. <laughs> a lot of medical students in for a nasty surprise when it goes out of possession. I mean, let's not forget that the taking of Pen 123 or whatever it was called, that wasn't just about that one train. That's true. Yeah. That, that turned out to be Alzheimer's as well, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People figured out that John Travolta was losing the plot when he asked James Gandolfini <laughs> to lick his bumhole. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, that's, moving that's, on. That, that's a direct quote, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, he does. It he is, does. it is. That is yeah. quote I have seen the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Gav is not lying. Uh, but we're going to move on to a point about the, uh, the horror aspect of this, because the reason why we've picked these films, what we're trying to go for this Halloween Horror Month, is we're trying to find films we found unsettling or films we found to be scary in some way. Joel, why have you picked this one? What is it about this that that unsettled you? What gave you sleepless nights and, and made you afraid of um, yeah, elderly so women the, with Alzheimer's? <laughs> so this film, it's not really going for the jugular, like something, you know, like The Conjuring or Insidious is. It, it's, it's more of like the type of film that you watch it and you just kind of feel on edge and you kind of feel like on edge for the full length of the film, or at least I did anyway. Um, it's just kind of seeing everything happen in real time um and the way that they kind of portray it on the screen it's just really fresh like for example um you know like i said they the film crew kind of put these cameras like around the house and every time that there's a bump or something like that or there's a noise in the in the night they constantly kind of say you know where's my mom type of thing uh where's deborah so there's kind of just several instances where you'll hear a noise and you just kind of dreading what they'll find so for example like one night she's just kind of stood looking out the window and she's just stood there in complete darkness darkness sorry looking out the window and then you'll skip forward like in time a little bit and one of the film crew will kind of go into the attic and she likes to paint Deborah, and he finds these paintings and it's it's the view out that window and like it starts off it's like nice and sunny and then he, he flips to the next painting and it's kind of gradually getting darker and then you see this figure in one of the paintings outside the window and then he, he kind of keeps flicking and flicking and flicking and, and the, the image kind of just becomes like more clearer that she can actually see you know somebody up standing outside that window which it turns out is meant to be um this uh you know physician who is you know meant to have possessed her uh kind of a, another night she is i'm not sure what her, her job title was but she was basically like a switchboard manager you know where they like plug the phones into like a particular socket in a phone and that type of thing like they get awoken in the night by um her old phone going off and it's a particular number that's just like flashing in and out and they can't seem to kind of find out what that is and then they they go through like her old like logbook and the number that's flashing the page is torn out and they eventually kind of put two and two together and this page belonged to i think he's called like jardin or something like that the 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 guy who's trying to perform the ritual they find out that that's the number who's flashing um another another time like she, she's kind of sat there in the night and she is kind of like my irish leprechaun voice she, she's kind of doing something a little bit like that 
the 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 film crew they isolate the audio and it turns out she's like speaking french and it's something like you know can i be the fifth or something like that because basically he needs the five children to uh, complete the ritual so there's just so many times throughout the film where as i say it's not like jump scares you're not like hiding behind the sofa or anything like that through terror but you are kind of constantly on edge and there's this really well done pacing of the film as well like i think ozzy and alex kind of made it sound like it goes from just like you know flowers and roses to like demon possession within 30 minutes but what you'll see within watching it is it'll start off like present day and then like five minutes later something will flash up on the screen and say you know like five weeks later or something like that so it jumps about the timeline a little bit you're not just watching like two weeks of constant footage so yeah i think overall it's just one of those films that'll just kind of keep you on edge you know your hands kind of grip to the sofa rather than like hiding behind an object or something like that okay thank you very much well explained um is this the case is joel telling me the truth i want to come to you Ozzy, next what's your thoughts on this so i I, some of what joel says was fine like i get scared pretty easily which bits well mainly the bits that it has a couple well he actually said there were no jump scares i felt like there were a couple of jump scares in this which which did get me but they didn't need to because these are scientists every one of them and decided to maintain the lack of lights they're literally in a house with working lights and they go oh it's a bit scary with these shadows stood next to a light switch they could have turned it on at any point (laughs) i mean they like they literally in somebody's house with everything works and they could have done that straight out Uh, and that was just a little bit baffling that you know, very clever people doing PhDs decided to be absolutely panicky. So that bit there was a, a, a bit of a gripe, you know, an easy an easy gripe because it wouldn't have been a horror film without that. But it's a bit annoying in that these are very clever people who refuse to turn on a light and do everything that opposite to what Gav said about being, uh, you know, doing all of the smart stuff in the situation. They continue to be in the dark when they could have just turned the light on and it would have been fine. <laughs> Joel, Joel's got a good point here. Like Joel, um, he's just messaged me about it, about why they don't turn on the lights. Yeah, so there is a scientific reason for that because I have heard like it's a common complaint about the film, but the filmmaker actually said the last thing you want to do, you know, with somebody who's suffering from Alzheimer's is panic them. So when they kind of find her out the bed or anything like that, the last thing they want to do is go up behind her, you know, turn the lights on and she'll like, you know, shit herself. And that basically <laughs> would make a episode like worse type of thing. So there's mm-hmm. there's a big reason in the film why a lot of the time they do just stand there in the dark and they don't like, you know, go and say, what are you doing or turn on the light or anything like that. Yeah, it's just like what, what you're told if you ever find anybody who's sleepwalking, what you're supposed to do is just grab them and shake them violently and scream. Yeah. <laughs> to anyone listening, that is not what you are meant to do if you find someone sleepwalking. <laughs> yeah, it's Gav. Gav. Yeah, no, I just wanted to um, add, add to what Joel said before. Um, I expand on it a little bit. I actually do agree with Ozzy a little bit in that there are some jump scares as well, or at least I found there to be some jump scares. What you want in a horror film is to be scary. And I think this was really good because it delivered on several fronts. It was creepy and unnerving at the start when Joel described all the stuff that happens, you know, as she slowly starts unraveling. Then there's several good jump scares as well. But then it's not over-reliant on them, which can often be the case with these types of films. And I disagree with what Ozzy said. I don't think it's all just in the dark. There's a few jump scares or a few sort of creepy elements that happen in the daylight as well. She's out digging in the garden and the camera zooms in like what the hell is she doing and then you know it just sees all of a sudden she's got some snakes and she's trying to bury them and then there's a bit of a you know a bit of a jump scare there and then there's also just this out and out terror towards the end of the film deborah abducts a child from the hospital and the film crew and police frantically search for the child they track deborah down to a nearby cave and then that whole scene is just very good there's this great build-up of tension once the characters navigate through this winding narrow cave and then there are jump scares in that and then there's this genuinely disturbing and horrific moment which i won't spoil for you dave i think if you've this one that you've got to see yourself but as i said these films can be over reliant on jump scares and often very little else but this film is quite diverse in that it, it offers several different types of horror thank you very much and alex i'd like to get your thoughts on this 
yeah, I just I just didn't find it very scary. It's, it's, it's a similar one. I think it does go for the jump scares, and I think it is trying to go for the jugular. I just think it misses the target. I think it does. I mean, the biggest time I jumped was in, you know, and it links into a point when it was saying, you know, about the lights being turned off for Alzheimer's sufferers. Well, I actually don't think this research team or her daughter are very good at looking after Alzheimer's patients. There's a bit where she's been out digging in the yard and she sort of had an episode, right? And they decide to get Deborah who's suffering from Alzheimer's and show her the footage of her basically, you know, going, you know, having an episode, which would be extremely upsetting for someone with Alzheimer's and any research student you would imagine would know not to do it. They do it and they upset her. And this is probably the biggest jump scare is just she attacks them. And God, Deborah Logan attacks people a lot in this film. And it's just this incredibly loud noise, right? And it's a jump scare in the sense that if you weren't expecting it and I came up behind you, and just clapped really loudly behind your head, you would jump then. It's not actually, there's nothing threatening about it. And this is where a lot of the scares go. They play hide and seek with Deborah about five or six times in the film in the dark. Um, it's, you know, and it does get a little bit samey, to be honest. They're like, where's Deborah? Deborah could be here. And it, it's just, it, it just gets a little bit boring. Again, you've seen it before with the found footage. And you've seen it better with the found footage. There's a few inconsistencies with the music a little bit with a found footage film. That's a bit strange that they decided to then put, you know, I mean, you can even forgive that, but it's a bit weird that they added music onto a found footage film. And also sometimes there are multiple shots in the, in a scene and you're like, well, hang on a minute, there's only one cameraman. How are we having two or three different shots? Not a big point. It's not something to really put it onto the other list, but, you know, it, it still is a bit inconsistent when it's going for that found footage thing. Uh, and I think the big thing that, that's the problem with this is is there's poor acting. I wouldn't say not Deborah Logan. I, I think she's she's pretty good in this. The problem I've forgotten her name, uh, Jill something. Jill Jill Larson. Jill Larson. So she's she's very good in this. I would say the problem is that she turns into a demon halfway through the film. So she sort of goes from like an interesting character to just a. Bleh! You know, prosthetically made up <laughs> character. So, sorry, Mister Alex. Can we yeah. do that again? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, and that's a bit of a shame because she really is the she's the standout in this, and that's and that's saying something. The problem is with the found footage is you've got people often who are opening a door, looking at the camera, looking away from the camera, looking back at the camera, going, "Uh oh, we're we going into this room," and it's just not very well acted, and that's where the film really falls down. So. The horror just, I, I didn't find it scary. It builds up, it goes to these jump scares. It doesn't really land them. And it's it's hampered by by poor acting. You, you, don't, you don't feel the, the fear of these people because they're just narrating it quite poorly. I know it's not big budget. I know they didn't have, you know, they're not going to get big names in this. But it, it does, in a found footage film, you really need good voice acting and good, you know, acting for, you know, faces being scared on, on the camera and... And this has neither. And and its best best star just turns into basically just an animal and, you know, just starts screaming all the time. So, uh, yeah, not that scary. And isn't that the synopsis for the Rob Schneider film, The Animal? <laughs> I imagine it's a synopsis for many Rob Schneider films. <laughs> <laughs> what, not that scary? Well, it just turns into an animal at some point for, <laughs> for everything. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. So I think we've covered the scary aspects and how well it does the element of horror, but that Alex was leading us into acting there. Uh, pretty damning, to be honest with you. There's a concession that Deborah Logan is pretty good, um, wasted in the second half of the film, but everyone else is actually pretty poor. I, I put it to the defense. Do you ever come back to that? I mean, certainly, because I mean, I've never heard Alex. Uh, well, I what am I saying there? Of course, I've heard him talk so much shit before, but wow, like it. I thought we, I thought we were going to be polite to each other, Joel. But... <laughs> we could uh, be gentlemen. People revert. <laughs> so, in terms of Deborah Logan, like she's played by Jill Larson, as um, the guy said, and I actually think it's one of the best like horror performances. Like up until the date when this film came out, I think she's like that good in this film, especially when. You know, you haven't seen her in much else. And I think Alex is massively over-exaggerating when he says she doesn't do much for the second half of the film. She does. In fact, there's like a bit just before the end of the film, but kind of just before she kind of takes her final turn into like, you know, being fully possessed, if you like, where she's in the hospital. And she says to um, her friend, she's like, just kill me, like, you know, kill me now type of things. It's like the final bit of like her 
own humanity coming out and she kind of realizes what's happening and you know she says to the guy like please kill me and i think her daughter um played by Anne ramsey who again you know i'd never really seen before this film i think she is excellent as well as a kind of alluded to at the start of this uh, kind of podcast just seeing the effect that you know alzheimer's can have on a family and the financial toll like the physical toll the emotional toll it's not just kind of the voice acting it's you know look, looking at people seeing their emotions seeing their reactions and that plays a huge part in this film and i think it was all done like very very well gav mentioned you know one of the film crew getting spooked out and wanted to go home alex said you know you can't see them being scared you actually can see them being scared and I don't think there was a bad performance like at all in this. I think of all the things to criticize about the film, like the acting for me would be, you know, very last in the list. I think the acting in this and especially the casting, considering they're all people who haven't really had major roles before, are very, very good. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Austin, do you have anything to add to that? I would say that other than than Jill Larson, who I thought was, uh, you know, exactly as Alex said, was very good for the front. And then the second half, anybody could have played that sort of animal, essentially just scream a lot and be, you know, covered in makeup. And you're fine. Uh, you, you'll, you'll get through that bit. But the rest of them, you know, I think uh, <laughs> like Anne Ramsey, the Deborah's daughter, she was just poorly written. Like that was, uh, she does all right, but that's not a great character. So acting wise i think she does a good job but it just didn't really work for me i think part of the issue is that the younger lot of students detract from it quite a bit you've got like, a major there's... problem with students on this one <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. it's after, it's from the off work i've said about having been scaring kids and it's halloween time you see so <laughs> any, anyone younger than me now i just need to to absolutely ruin um anyway other than uh like I thought, uh, Michelle Ang, you know, me at the main student late, uh, lady, I think she d- does an all right job because she's the main one. But the rest of them, I just thought was absolutely useless. You know, like there's the guy in there, uh, I can't remember his name, but, but Brett Gentile. That, that guy's just over the top for no reason whatsoever. It's just rubbish and, and poor writing. You know, it's just like crap one-liners. And it just, I just took it away. Like, I just not into it. Like, for me, I think it, it's obviously it's a low budget film. You're not going to get top, top quality actors. And sometimes that works. And you think that with a found footage film, it would work because it's meant to be people you don't know. Uh, and then you can feel more realistic. But for this, it, um, some of the awkwardness at the start, the acting wise felt good, felt realistic, I'm trying to convince them to do the documentary. But it very quickly just, uh, it, it just become a great thing, to be honest with you. Once you start, you know, becomes obvious that they're acting and acting poorly. Okay, thank you very much. And finally, Gav, you're the only one who's not said anything on performances yet. Uh, performances, characters, anything you'd like to bring to the table? Yeah, I'd just like to say that when he said one-liners, I think he meant really poor lines of dialogue, and it isn't peppered with like, oh, hey, Deborah, you've taken me by surprise. <laughs> no, I, 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 Sorry, that is exactly what I meant. But, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really this, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I just build in a little bit on what Ozzy said there. found uh, footage films in almost all cases involve a cast who have appeared in very little before to add to the aesthetic of the subgenre. And it makes you believe that little bit extra if you don't recognise the cast from other things. Unfortunately, I didn't get that because I knew Anne Ramsey from the TV show Mad About You. But nonetheless, I would have to disagree massively with both Alex and Austin. I thought the cast was excellent. One thing I always think of when I watch films like this is I imagine it's really difficult to convey genuine terror or to you know, realistically act scared. And it must be even more difficult in this type of film because it requires that hyper-realism. You know, it's a very hyper-realistic sub-genre. So I'm always very impressed by people who genuinely act terrified as fuck. And I think the cast do that very well here. And just yeah, building on what Joel said earlier, massive props go to Jill Larson as Deborah Logan. She demonstrates some excellent range. I don't think it's, it's too far, as Alex said. I think it's very subtle at first. She goes from this prim and proper, delicate pensioner this demonic face-biting, snake-vomiting demon with absolute ease. She was absolutely fantastic. And I think it's a genuine shame that not more people are raving about her performance. But yeah, uh, to sum up, both Alex and Ozzy, full of 
shit and snakes. <laughs> All snakes. On shit and snakes. Like, can we can we say there about him feeling real, right? But it, it it doesn't. It's hard to feel realistic when there's so many found students footage. in the film. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean, it's like it's found footage film. So at the start, when it sounds like they're reading off cue cards, you can believe that. It could well be because this is a documentary. They're trying to do it as a as a student. This is her final report. They're not, you know, they're not actors. They're students. They're doing this, so it's almost like, yeah, okay, I can have prompts to get me through the things I need to say to make a documentary. By the time you're at the scary parts, they should no longer sound like they're reading off a cue card. Do you know what I mean? It should sound, um, it should be natural and and just general scaredy. Uh, Alex. You keep doing a thing which I found quite annoying, part of the script and, and part of the acting, which is they keep narrating what's going on as if, because that's what you need for a found footage film. So they keep saying, hey, you take the camera now, Mia. Thank you, Sarah. I'll take the camera now. I now have the camera. You don't have the camera. And, and it gets a little grating. I also think that last sequence when they're in the caves is just like unwatchable because you don't know what the hell's going on. I know it's found footage and it's got to be jiggling, but I just didn't know what the fuck was going on, and I, 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 I just didn't. And you know, I, I, you know, you sort of, you can't. It never pulls back, so you actually see there is that one bit, and Gav alluded to it, and I won't spoil it either. There's one bit where it where it pulls back, and that is one of the most original bits in the film, right? There's nothing much. A few seconds long, now, isn't it? A few seconds long, but it is like it's genuinely possibly the only thing that really sort of like surprised me and was like a bit scary, but. The rest of it is just, it's stuff that you've seen better. So I've seen better exorcism and demon possession films and I've seen much better found footage. Uh, yeah, films. like the opening so, scene of Godzilla. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that fits into need. Nah, I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think you can watch The Taking of Deborah Logan without thinking about that opening sequence in Godzilla, really. It's very... Basically, found footage was done with Godzilla. So <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they would even try to use that in cinema medium anymore, Aussie's, Aussie's spot on. Really noted, Godzilla. Uh, Gav? Just very, very quick. I just want to come back on something Alex said there. I, I really don't like found footage films, to be honest. Well, I mean, they, they irritate me because if they get too, as Alex said, the camera work, if it gets too jiggly, I find it quite nauseating. I absolutely fucking hated the Blair Witch Project when it came out because of that. And I like this film that for most of it, apart from the very end scene, which is a bit sort of more frantic because they're finding their way through this narrow cave, it is quite well shot. And, you know, that's that's a big plaudit for this type of film to actually comment on the direction of a found footage film because by their subgenre, they're quite, you know, standard when it comes, you're supposed to make it look like the footage has been found. But I think it's it's done very well. And I really liked how it was intercut with different bits of media as well. So you had the student video at the beginning, which looked like a hokey bit of student student video. Then you had news reports, a YouTube documentary, archive news interviews as well. They were all very well done. And I think it added to the overall sense of, of the realism. All right. Thank you very much. I think I've heard pretty much all I need to hear on the taking of Deborah Logan, unless anyone has anything... Else they'd like to add, then you go off again, really? I got one close argument. One close argument. This is just hopefully to hammer it home for you, Dave. This film will be taking you on a brilliant and horrifying journey, and you'll be possessed by the unique spin on two tie genres and excellent performance. Thank you very much. That Give was yourself that. a round of applause on the sound effects there, Gav. Well uh, he already has. <laughs> <laughs> or, a, or a scream. <laughs> I've heard all I need to hear then. Who wants to kill a little time while I try and make sense of my notes and spell Alzheimer's right? Uh, yeah, so my quiz is mostly on found footage films, but it's also a kind of a few just generic ones thrown in there. So... Godzilla's not in there. I'm going to be well upset. <laughs> I haven't got a Godzilla one, unfortunately, but I can make one just for you, Ozzy. So, question one. What is the name of the camera woman in Wreck, or the main character, if you like? Oh, oh gee, I just watched this again uh, recently. It begins with A. Uh, Aurora? Amelia? A-N. Anna? 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 A-N-G. <laughs> Angela. 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 <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, so this one, I'm just that nearest answer gets it. How long did filming take for the original paranormal activity? 
Probably about fucking two hours. Yeah, two hours. <laughs> Even though it's set over like a few nights. <laughs> That's six weeks. Uh, yeah, six uh, weeks. Just say a week. A week. Say seven months. Seven months. Four <laughs> weeks. Four weeks. Okay, so it was ten days. So Gab, it's... I think you were closest. Okay, so what trailer showed the Statue of Liberty's head being thrown down the street? Bam. Overfield. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I was going to say Ghostbusters. <laughs> it was Cloverfield, well done, Dave. Gabby, you get minus one point for saying Ghostbusters, so you're back on zero. <laughs> How many oh, we characters... should do that more. <laughs> <laughs> How many characters survived the Blair Witch Project? Bam. Nobody Gabby. ever survived the Blair Witch Project, really. Uh, one, if you count... <laughs> one if you count the witch. <laughs> I wasn't counting the witch, but... I'll give you a point for that, Dave. And Gabby, you're on minus one point now. Right. Well, technically, they all die, don't they? I mean, yeah, they do all die. You were right. But Dave outsmarted you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so four years before the taking of um, Deborah Logan, Jill Larson appeared briefly in a huge blockbuster film. Bruce. Shutter Island. Was Shutter Island well done? So, oh yeah. It's it's like in the trailer. There's like a woman who's like frail and she like kind of shushes them. It's it's her man. She really has got a niche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the typecast is just the creepiest fuck person, basically. But okay, so what film? This is like a the start of if you're reading like the back of a DVD case, but it's a found footage film. Um, so a group of students investigate a series of mysterious bear killings, but learn there's much more dangerous things going on. Um, is Dave. that Troll Hunter? It is Troll Hunter. Well done. Ooh, Scooby Doo. You can have a point for Scooby Doo. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of the Yogi Bear movie. <laughs> okay, so th- this is very loosely defined. So what is the most profitable movie ever? So it's basically talking about films that have cost so little to make that they made so much at the box office that like you know numbers wise they are the most profitable film ever not something like Endgame which like took yeah. a shit ton of money but is, it Blair, is it Blair Witch Project then? it is and there's another one which is tied with the Blair Witch Project which is, wait is it another found footage film it is yeah Paranormal Activity it is well done Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity I think they Back made like North. I think it cost like 30 grand or something, <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah, you're on note. Well done, Gav. Um, okay, so what is the most expensive horror movie produced? So this, for me, I don't really consider it horror. I consider it more action. If you think of something that kind of encompasses like a horror genre, though. Terminator? I am legend. You're on kind of the right lines, Dozzy, to be fair. Oh, um, that... One with uh, Brad Pitt and all those zombies. Yeah, well done, World War Z. Oh, well done. Um, I do remember it because I've been working at that place where he's got his uh, hand on the wall. Okay, so what is the highest grossing horror film? Ever. Ever, ever, yeah. Um, So it's probably a found footage film. It's not a found footage film. Oh, just a horror film. Just a horror film. It's the last five years it was released in. Wow. Uh, Halloween. Oh, no. Um, Get Out. No, it's not Get Out. No, um, the Stephen King one. You're on fire like it was it. Oh, well done. Nice. How's he about win his first quiz? No, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he started by answering with (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I think Ozzy's lead is already like insurmountable, to be honest, considering we've only got one question left. I might get um, a minus 10 in a second. <laughs> okay, so according to Rotten Tomatoes, what are the three scariest films ever? So you get a point for each one. Ring? You get minus five for that, Brucey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Exorcist? The Exorcist? The Exorcist is top. So you get plus two for the Exorcist. Silence of the Lambs one. No. It, it's this scoring thing that's just thrown me off. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's answer or just keep shut the fuck so, up. And the shining, <laughs> so they're the scariest ever. So they are relatively recent the in like the last 10 years. Insidious? The other two. 
No, it's not Insidious, but something Sinister. which is kind of similar along the same lines as Insidious and Sinister. The Conjuring. The Conjuring, yep, there's two. Gav, you get minus one point for getting that one right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it up now. I'll give, I'll give it the, up. The, the, there's one left. Movie. <laughs> and is it like genuinely left. scary? Would you say it was scary? Or? I would say this one is more disturbing than scary, but it involves like a fireplace scene. Oh, uh, hereditary. Hereditary. Uh, oh, the Santa Claus with uh, Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Krampus. <laughs> so, Gav, you ended there on minus three. I think Brucey e minus five. Thank Dave you. plus seven and Ozzy 23 you got. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to do is stay, just stay quiet. I would have won <laughs> Okay, uh yeah, I had a, a few things to consider on this one. Like I said, I, I don't I don't tend to care much for uh possession films. They all seem to blur into one in my mind and I lose track of which ones I actually have seen. Uh I'm not a huge fan of found footage either, should be told. So I didn't realize this was found footage when we started discussing it. Um but that said, I know Gav's in a similar boat to me, um, and he's not a fan either. It sounds like they tried to do something different. You know, merging these two sub-genres could actually have uh, resulted in something actually half-decent. I like what was said about, you know, the fact that these are medical students, not ghost hunters. That does seem to be uh, a bit of a breath of fresh air, the fact that these are people that did not expect to find themselves in this situation. You know, kind of the, the success of paranormal activity. You know, they're just civilians that have found themselves caught up in this mess. They've not gone looking for it. So I, I did like that side of it. Um, and I also like that they make the sensible decisions. You know, they're not just running around like headless chickens doing stupid shit that no one in the right mind would do. Um, Aussie did have uh, an explanation of a, of a point where maybe they didn't make the right decision, but Joel countered that very well. He explained why they do not put the lights on. And I, I see it. I'm with him. Alex said that the... Um, the, the scary moments don't really land. He said, miss the target and they're not scary. But there were plenty of counters to that. And there were even mutterings from, from the prosecution that there's genuine, a genuinely horrific moment. You know, there's a, a disturbing jump scare at some point. I'm intrigued to find out what that is. But And, and as Joel said, it's not just the jump scares. He really sold me on the, the slow build, the sense of dread, the sense of foreboding, that just kind of is building up in the background, leaving you on edge, the sort of creepy sensibility. You know, it seems like a good pairing. For this kind of film uh performances uh jury's out on performances truth be told i don't know if, the, if they're very very good it seems like it's probably quite a big cast but a cast of unknowns not uh, a cast of people we're going to see in too much but i've got four ticks next to the name of jill larson um, which means everybody was on board with the idea that jill larson actually gives a very good performance as the titular character deborah logan so that is a massive check in the film's favor I also like what Joel said, you know, it's a different sort of handling of a possession film with the idea of Alzheimer's being brought into it. That's why this person is being filmed. That's why they're being studied in the first place. You know, you've not called in ghost hunters. They're filming her for a different reason. It makes sense. And also the, the fact that they are quite accurate in a lot of what they seem to say about the, the disease of Alzheimer's, apart from the bit, you know, that ultimately ends in demon possession. Uh, I believe that is quite uncommon. Um, you know, sensible character decisions, genuinely horrific moments. A de one decent performance we were all agreed on farcical at some points although alex said you know i can overlook farcical and maybe a little inconsistency with the found footage genre there seems to be a lot going for this film and even though it's two subgenres i don't really care for i am going to be willing to give this a go and give it the benefit of the doubt and i'm going to put this on the hit list <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, thank you very much dave well summed up once again so genuine opinions i mean i think we all know what joel feels about this film joel i'm pretty honest there uh yeah i mean it's not, it's not like a perfect film or anything but the reason i picked this is because it's so different like although it is a fan footage film i think it is completely different to to most of the other ones and i picked it for that reason to be honest so yeah like i was pretty honest yeah and um yeah i'm pretty honest as well i may i might have been overselling that a little bit i think it's decent i wouldn't say it's like the best found footage film ever or the best possession film ever but it does enough to make it interesting for me and i enjoyed it 
And as I said, I really liked the end. Uh, I felt like there was uh, it was building up, and then this finale happened, which I did think was actually disturbing. So yeah, I, I think it was a plus for me. Alex, uh, yeah, no, I meant what I said. I I found it a bit bland. I I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, and I think the fact that the Alzheimer's was so interesting at the beginning, the fact that it didn't really develop that and it just sort of left it to go for the possession, I found that a bit disappointing. I, I would have preferred the film to have kept that a little bit longer or to at least come back to it. Having, like, full disclosure, though, I did watch it on my phone on a trip. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's so rude, honestly. I, I have been nothing but a gentleman this entire podcast. <laughs> I have I have not stooped at all. Um yeah, I watched it on my phone on a train, so it's probably not the best way to, in, you know, to enjoy a horror film. Um, did did you, you jump at all? <laughs> just that bit where the noise, well, where the noise was really loud. I literally think I startled the guy next to me because I went, "Whoa!" <laughs> I think the guy was a bit shocked. Uh, also, like you know, because you know when she's like naked, I was I was thinking like this guy next to me is just going to think fucking you weird. Just watching <laughs> some really some really weird shit at like eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would I would put it on the shit list. Uh, it's not completely terrible, but it, it just doesn't do enough. Um, I, I just really disagree with Joel. I respect his opinion and I respect him as a man, but I do not think I do not think this film is particularly interesting or, or original. Uh, thanks, Alex. It reminds me of um, when Winston, our, our graphic designer, great artwork. Check him out at the underscore quirks. He recommended a horror film for me to watch um, for when I went, went into hospital for a procedure. And I was sat there and the film started and it was very good. But then this really, really graphic sexy Did you make the joke about your blood pressure or did you let it just <laughs> uh, there's no joking for that? I just kind of sank into the bed. For some reason I've got that scene in American Pie when John's mum and dad come in and his TV just goes spank my hair yeah. finally Ozzy what was your opinion on it? Uh, my opinion is uh, pales into insignificance compared to Alex's good story I I thought it was creepy and yeah the jump scares I thought it it started off well paced and I thought that they paid off with the jump scares I genuinely felt engaged I didn't really like the big loud noisy bit at the end I thought that was kind of a bit cheap considering they'd done quite a good job for the first two thirds of the film and and I didn't really like the paranormal aspect to it because I thought it was actually scary enough without and thoughtful enough without that um, so I, I don't mind that it's on the hit list but I think I would have preferred it to go on the shit list because it seemed like a bit of a cheap way to go through the exorcism route okay, Thank you very much Ozzy so higher or lower than our previous film on trial which was the Rise of the Hunter, which scored 95% and 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I was going to say lower. I'm going to shoot for the skies and go for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, audience score, obviously, dramatically lower, 48%. But, for some reason, critical score, only just slightly lower, 91%. Uh, and I was like, wow, oh, that's incredibly high. So went on it and noticed that only 11 critical reviews had taken place and they were all positive. <laughs> so that's probably why. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Okay. That we, is, just thinking about that, no, what do we have to do to be counted as a critical review on Rotten Tomatoes? I think we need to publish enough um, critiques of films. So considering we haven't published one yet, I think we're far away from verified. It didn't, what's it called? They didn't release it for critics. Wasn't it like an embargo or something they weren't allowed to? Oh, yeah, right, right, right. actually, it wasn't released for critics. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. And that's, There's and that's no trivia about this as well. It's weird. Like, it's one of the only ones on IMDb. I always it's like actually real footage. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> <yeah, this laughs> real. We just watched a documentary. <laughs> it's a genuine documentary. Documentary, yeah. <laughs> no, no Deborah Logan, she got talk. <laughs> I think it would have been more interesting if it was Gabby Logan and she was midway through a TV series. Taken of Gabby Logan <laughs> might be a bit X-rated, as it's weird. The taking of Gabby Logan is just like I imagine it's like driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> it's just a chauffeur's account of taking Gabby Logan from one TV studio to another. <laughs> 
Okay, so the next film hasn't been pulled out of the hands at random. Once again, it's another Halloween horror pick. And next week, it's my turn. And I am picking the horror horror film, horror thriller, uh, Eden horror, Lake. Horror film. Horror, 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 horror film, Eden Lake. And the reason I picked that is because, yeah, I really liked it. And uh, bearing in mind, this season is all about films that we thought that were genuinely unsettling. And the ending did stick with me for a while afterwards. So that's the reason that I picked this. So hopefully uh, you guys will like it as well. But we'll find out next week. <laughs> so yeah, just want to say thank you very much once again, everyone, for your arguments. And thank you to anybody who's listened to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want more Films on Trial content, check us out at filmsontrial.co.uk. Ozzy, I thought you were tilting the camera down to look at your crotch then, and then just realised it's because your dog's there. I thought the same thing. I did think the same thing. I, I also still think the same thing. <laughs> Funny thing is, though, I didn't even fish. blink an eyelid. I was like, oh, it's normal. <laughs> so if you want uh, to check out more content, follow us on Twitter, at Film Trials, or Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram films on trial. So that is it. The taking of Deborah Logan is a hit, and we're going to be directly in your ears next week with Eden Lake. Anyway, uh, goodbye. <laughs> so um, one of my seven points to it to watch it was that he gets his knob out at one point, and uh, he kind of like threateningly waves it. Does he waggle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets it out and threateningly waggles his cock. <laughs>